We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Richard Nixon. Well, I'm not a crook. Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall. George W. Bush. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And Donald Trump. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics and he's a professional at the highest level. Roger Stone. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval Office. That man is Roger Stone. This is the Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. Welcome. This is Roger Stone, and this is the Roger Stone Show at WABC Radio. WABC, making AM radio great again. You can find us if you live in the greater New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, where I grew up, at 770 on the AM dial. Or, don't forget, we are live streaming worldwide at WABCradio.com. You, again, you can also find us at 107.1 FM on Eastern Long Island. So many different places where you can get the extraordinary programming at WABC Radio. Better yet, I suggest you get the 77 WABC app installed in your cell phone because you don't want to miss a minute of our all-star lineup here at WABC. I'm talking about Sid Rosenberg in the mornings. I'm talking about Frank Morano on the other side of midnight. If you are a night owl, that is, that is programming not to be missed. Uh, my longtime friend Dominic Carter, who really has his fingers on the pulse of New York City, uh, an incisive uh, radio commentator. Then, of course, there's my friend of many years, Larry Kudlow on Saturdays. Larry Kudlow is the man who quarterbacked President Donald Trump's successful effort to turbocharge the American economy. Larry Kudlow is the apostle of economic growth here on WABC every Saturday. Then, of course, there is Cindy Adams, my friend of 40 years, the absolute queen of hot gossip right here at WABC. You're not going to want to miss... Katz and Cosby, John Katzmatidis will tell you how to become a billionaire, and uh, Rita Cosby will give you some of the most incisive analysis of the news that you will hear anywhere uh, on the radio. So I strongly recommend to you that you download the WABC app for your phone so you don't miss a single minute of the great programming here on WABC. You know, for many years, I thought that Adam Schiff was the greatest con man, the greatest congenital liar, 
the greatest huckster to ever serve in the U.S. Congress. After all, he told us uh, on numerous occasions that he had seen more than circumstantial evidence of Russian collusion uh, between Russian intelligence and Donald Trump's campaign for the U.S. presidency. He put this country through two and a half years of living hell. At the end of the day, he produced no evidence whatsoever of this alleged Russian collusion. In fact, the special counsel, John Durham, who took five long years to reach this conclusion, concluded definitively that there was never any probable cause, in other words, no evidence whatsoever of Russian collusion with the Trump campaign to justify either the uh, appointment of special counsel Robert Mueller, who uh, tried to lynch me in a Soviet-style show trial, basically charging me with lying under oath to Congress in my voluntary testimony about Russian collusion, which never actually happened. In fact, on November 3rd, 2020, uh, only by the orders of a federal judge, the U.S. Justice Department was forced to put out a press release, which they did on at midnight on Election Day, the busiest news day of the year, in which even Robert Mueller could not sugarcoat the fact that he found, quote, no factual evidence, close quote, of Russian collusion, WikiLeaks collaboration, uh, or any other crime on my part. In fact, he said that even if he had found any evidence that I was exchanging information with WikiLeaks, which he did not, it would not have been a crime because those activities would have been covered by the First Amendment. Now I must conclude that there is somebody much worse in Congress. That would be Congressman Dan Goldman. Just this week, Dan Goldman attempted to defend Hunter Biden's sweetheart plea bargain deal, insisting that it should be compared to the preferential treatment that I got from the IRS. And then Eric Swalwell, remember him? That's the congressman who got caught having a sexual affair with a red Chinese spy. Her name was Fang Fang. She, unfortunately, later would die in a tragic airplane accident. How coincidental. Well, it turns out Congressman Swalwell penetrated her, and she penetrated his congressional office with an intern. This is of particular concern because as a member of the House Intelligence Committee, he had access to some of America's top classified military secrets. But he jumped on this bandwagon, too, telling CNN that Roger Stone got a sweetheart deal from the IRS. Folks, it is a a vile lie. Let me walk you through it. In 2020, after I was pardoned, While my lawyers were in the midst of what they call offer and compromise negotiations over one year's taxes, 2006, the government brought a $2 million lawsuit, a civil lawsuit against my wife and I for back taxes in 2006 alone. Now, it's important to note 
that three quarters of that amount, $1.5 million, is interest and penalties. So the actual amount that I owed was about a half million dollars. It was once much greater than that, but my wife and I made eight solid years of monthly payments without ever missing or being late for a payment. The IRS steadfastly refused to negotiate any reduction in either interest or penalty. Because Mrs. Stone is a meticulous bookkeeper, we proved that we had not failed to declare a single penny of income or any asset whatsoever. Contrast that with Hunter Biden. He failed to disclose $10 million in income, according to current press reports, while we declared every single penny. And as I said, we made eight years of monthly payments without ever missing any. So now I will have to pay $2 million back to the IRS in monthly payments, probably for the rest of my life. In other words, we got no break, we got no discount, we got no special treatment. This is apples and oranges. Hunter Biden, on the other hand, did get special treatment. On today's show, Garrett Ziegler with the Marco Polo Research Group, who has meticulously analyzed, annotated, and footnoted Hunter Biden's laptop, uh, will join us for a full breakdown on what happened in a Delaware courtroom this past week when the Justice Department and Hunter Biden's colluded together to tuck in an immunity agreement, which if it had not been caught by an honest federal judge, would have given Hunter Biden total and complete immunity for all of his crimes, crimes which I think there is evidence include money laundering, influence peddling, extortion, bribery, illegal lobbying, and yes, treason. Also joining us today is Nick Adams, known on Twitter as the Alpha Male. He will drop in to talk to us about the activities of the Flag Foundation. That is the, uh, the foundation that is uh, teaching our children uh, about uh, the fundamental documents, the Declaration of Independence, the U.S. Constitution, reverence for our history as a democratic republic. But uh, he's better known as the alpha male, a man who advocates uh, uh, a, a rigorous uh, program of prayer, uh, eating a thick, juicy steak, uh, a, a, a god for some the boys every knock back so here. Also, we will be joined by Cash, former staff for the U.S. Defense Department, uh, one-time counsel to the House Intelligence Committee, and he will drop in to tell us why he thinks that impeach Joe Biden would be a horrific mistake. Uh, in the meantime, we are seeing, since folks tune in here to hear about politics, an extraordinary development in which, while Trump is maintaining a commanding lead uh, in the polls among all Republicans, South Carolina, and all of the early contest states for the Republican nomination, 
it is absolutely clear from reports in this past week's New York Post uh, that special counsel Jack Smith intends to charge Donald Trump yet again. Last Thursday, uh, the special counsel announced additional superseding charges in the case in Florida in which Donald Trump, I think, is wrongly charged with mishandling presidential and top-secret documents. Pretty clear to me that under the Presidential Documents Act of 1977, President Donald Trump has the absolute authority, first, to determine what is a personal document and what is a government document, and to handle them in any way he sees fit. If you don't believe me, look at the ruling by Judge Amy Berman Jackson, who just happened to be the judge who sentenced me to three years in prison, uh, even though I did nothing wrong, uh, when she ruled that former President Bill Clinton, who was maintaining uh, disks of information that included federal uh, information and documents in a sock drawer in his home, was entitled to do anything whatsoever he wanted with those documents. But it is now clear that the deep state and the democratic media cabal is so petrified by the fact that Donald Trump is leading Joe Biden in every national poll and in every swing state that they seek nothing less than to disqualify him from being a candidate. How could that happen? Well, there's really only one way. I'm not an attorney, uh, but I have talked to some of the best attorneys in the country, uh, and they would have to charge Donald Trump uh, with being involved in sedition against the United States in connection with the riot uh, at the Capitol on January 6th. Even though now that Donald Trump's Twitter feed has been restored, we know that at least twice that day he urged people at the Capitol to act lawfully uh, and to respect law enforcement. Uh, but under the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, if he were to be successfully convicted of sedition, he would not be eligible to be a candidate for president and he would not be allowed to appear on the ballot. That, unfortunately, is, I think, exactly what Special Counsel Jack Smith has in mind. Then there's the other possibility regarding January 6th. That is that they would charge President Donald Trump uh, with interfering with a government proceeding uh, because he did exactly what the Democrats did in 2016, which, uh, which is to seek a delay in the certification uh, of the Electoral College to cement the election of Joe Biden. Also, it is alleged that the president may have been involved uh, in the uh, putting forward of alternative electors in the states where the election results were in dispute, seeking to send those electors back to the state legislatures who have the final authority to ascertain the final election results, certify them, and determine who are the correct electors to be certified in Washington. In 1960, there was a dispute in Hawaii uh, where the electors who were pledged to Richard Nixon, based on a vote count on election night, 
uh, were certified by the Hawaiian legislature and were to go to Washington, but Senator John F. Kennedy disputed the election results in Hawaii, believed that when all of the absentee ballots were counted, he would be asserted as the winner, and he filed a set of alternative electors. Well, in the end, John Kennedy turned out to be right. The legislature reversed their actions, uh, and the electors who were pledged to John F. Kennedy were correctly counted in Washington in the certification of the election of John F. Kennedy. The Roger Stone shown here at WABC. My guests have included President Donald Trump, General Michael Flynn, uh, country and Western superstar John Rich, uh, Trump impeachment lawyer David Schoen. And then, of course, today we have, a, again, a terrific lineup for you uh, that includes Garrett Ziegler from the Marco Polo Foundation, Cash Patel, former chief counsel of the House Intelligence Committee, and uh, you've got to see this guy on Twitter, Nick Adams, the ultimate alpha male all right here on The Roger Stone Show. Once again, uh, if you don't know how to listen to the show and you're out of town, I strongly recommend that you download the WABC radio app to get our entire incisive lineup. This is the best of AM radio. Uh, And uh, I think maybe it's a good time for a shout-out to John Katsimatidis, the owner and operator uh, of WABC, because he is leading the fight to maintain AM radios in the next generation of vehicles. Not so long ago, the Ford Motor Company and Tesla both announced that their next generation of cars would not include an AM radio receiver. Now, an AM radio receiver is extraordinarily inexpensive. It is not a great burden, but AM radio is the source of much of the alternative information that is out there uh, in the country. AM radio is the heart uh, of those who disagree with the so-called mainstream media. It's also a fact that the National Emergency Broadcast System is based in AM radio. So what they're proposing is actually extraordinarily dangerous, both for our culture uh, and for America, uh, as well as for the country. The other point I would have to make, since everybody tunes in here for politics, is I note the implosion uh, of the candidacy of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. A stunning new poll nationally shows that while Donald Trump defeats uh, Joe Biden 49 to 39 in the state of Ohio, Ron DeSantis also uh, leads 41 to 39. But more importantly, in the presidential contest, and this is stunning, Donald Trump now leads, according to Ohio Northern University poll, at 64 percent, where uh, Vivek Ramswamy now comes in second at 12%, and Ron DeSantis has dropped to 6%. We have seen a precipitous drop in the support of uh, Ron DeSantis across the board. His unfavorable rating 
uh, is dropping here in the state of Florida. But more precisely, based on my calculations, based on, I think, very imprudent spending uh, and a top-heavy staff that once included 90 staffers, and I'm a veteran of 12 national presidential campaigns, uh, he has burned through so much cash that it is likely that by October of this year, he'll be out of money. The number of small and medium-sized donors to his campaign is virtually de minimis. So although he has raised tens of millions of dollars, most of that money comes from big donors who have now maxed out and can't give him any more. He hasn't spent any time or money uh, developing a base at the grassroots of smaller donors as Donald Trump has. 64% of the money raised by former President Donald Trump has come from small and medium-sized donors. If, in fact, Donald Trump is charged in the coming week, either in Georgia, where I think he's done nothing wrong, or in Washington, D.C., where I also think he has done nothing wrong, I predict to you that he will take an upward trajectory of as much as 10% in the polls, and his campaign will collect tens of millions of more dollars in small contributions. Yes, folks, it is totally, completely counterintuitive to what we expect to see in American politics. But the more that the media cabal Democrat combine attacks Donald Trump through the use of lawfare, the stronger and more powerful he gets. This is the Roger Stone Show, and as the late, great Jackie Gleason would say, away we go. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Richard Nixon. Well, I'm not a crook. Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall. George W. Bush. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And Donald Trump. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics and he's a professional at the highest level. Roger Stone. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval Office. That man is Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. Welcome to The Roger Stone Show here on WABC. WABC Radio, making AM radio great again. Joining us now is Cash Patel. Cash Patel is a former chief of staff to the acting secretary of defense. He is a former deputy assistant to the president and senior director for counterterrorism at the National Security Council under President Donald Trump. He also served as senior counsel for the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. Uh, and he has an important new piece in the Daily Caller days ago, in which he argues that when it comes to impeachment, 
we should forget Joe Biden. Cash Patel says it's time to hold Attorney General Merrick Garland and FBI Director Christopher Wray to account. Cash, welcome to the Roger Stone Show. Hey, Roger. Thanks so much for having me. I'm back on the program. Appreciate it. Really appreciate you have you uh, joining us today. Uh, I almost don't know where to start. This this there's a lot of <laughs> lot of talk about impeachment. Uh, the House mm-hmm. Republicans have certainly uncovered shocking evidence of uh, extortion, uh, mm-hmm. bribery, money laundering, uh, influence peddling, illegal lobbying, and dare I say it, treason. Multi-million dollar transfers from Russia, Ukraine, uh, Romania, China, uh, and some American interests. Uh, there is a growing hue and cry in the country for impeachment, yet you argue quite eloquently that impeaching Joe Biden at this moment would be the wrong move. Tell us about it. Yeah, look, it might sound a little counterintuitive, but look, I think everybody on the, uh, the political spectrum, right or left, knows the incompetencies of Joe Biden. You just have to watch him for three and a half seconds. So we don't need to be doing their political dirty work for them. They don't even want Joe Biden to be the nominee. But more importantly, besides the political point, impeaching Joe Biden, we know he's connected to Hunter. We don't have to prove it anymore. We don't have to worry about it. The money, the admissions by Hunter Biden in federal court that he received hundreds of thousands of millions from China, Ukraine and elsewhere, the phone calls with his dad on speakerphone. It's been well established. And we know he's guilty. He, Joe Biden, of high crimes and misdemeanors. So what's the most powerful method of accountability for the American people? It's not impeaching Joe Biden. It's impeaching the people that have destroyed our system of justice, that have created a two-tier system of justice. And that applies to everybody, not just Joe Biden. Whether the victim is, you know, you, you know, you know better than most, Roger, of being abused and unlawfully targeted by this system of justice. And then there's Donald Trump. Then there's every other American who was in and around January 6th and so many other folks. And the architects of that two-tier system of justice are Merrick Garland and Christopher Wray. So if we impeach them and put them on trial in a House of Representatives where we have the majority, the world will see not just their testimony where they've been proven to have lied under oath about whistleblower retaliation, about representations regarding uh, Donald Trump's prosecution, Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's classified doc prosecution. But more importantly, we'll get the documents. The congressional subpoenas will force the documents of their fraud. If we impeach Joe Biden, they will bury it. And so that's why I argue that we have to go after the two people that are rigging presidential elections, Merrick Garland and Christopher Ray. We cannot have that in our country anymore. Uh, you, you raise an excellent point. I mean, it occurs to me that the the recent plea bargain arrangement pertaining to Hunter Biden was essentially put together without any reference to the overwhelming evidence uh, mm-hmm. that's entailed uh, in the laptops. It's as if they never opened the laptop. Uh, and as we learned yesterday, they tried very cleverly to slip, uh, unbeknownst to <laughs> the judge, a full future immunity from prosecution of any crime into the uh, the intervention program pertaining to his illegal ownership of a gun and lying on the forms to obtain that firearm. Uh, it, the whole thing really does uh, boggle the mind. Uh, somewhere I remember uh, that that Congressman Comer, the chairman of the Oversight Committee, was 
demanding that the FBI turn over certain documents pertaining to Hunter Biden and pertaining to mm-hmm. transfers to Joe Biden, as well as Hunter Biden. And the FBI director was resisting. Comer was talking about a contempt citation. But then, as I recall, the FBI allowed Comer and other members of the House to go examine the documents in some secure space, but never turned it over. What happened to the contempt citation? Exactly. And, and, and so it's all interconnected. The fact that you have an FBI director, Ray, and Garland at DOJ, the attorney general, who have committed a contempt violation, that is a federal felony. And if we had a single-tier system of justice, just remember what happened to the likes of, uh, of Peter Navarro and Steve Bannon when they committed a purported contempt violation. They were referred to DOJ, prosecuted, and are awaiting prison sentence. Why should the director of the FBI and Merrick Garland not be treated the same when they have violated at least six congressional subpoenas? And they had to take them to breach of contempt just to force a redacted version of a document that shows their corruption which takes us all the way back to Hunter Biden. The only way to get the documents, all the other documents, all the other recordings, we're talking about 11023. Just think about all the internal emails and communications Merrick Garland and his team of government gangsters have with uh, FBI Director Chris Ray and his leadership team, corrupt cabal of leaders. The only way to get it is a contempt proceeding, um, uh, an impeachment against those two. And just to circle back to Hunter Biden's plea deal this, this latest week, They were directly involved in it. What do I mean by that? I was a former national security prosecutor and public defender. I handled 100-plus gun cases like this. No one has ever received pretrial diversion. Why? Because the DOJ regulation signed by the attorney general 25 years ago says specifically, no one who is charged with a gun possession crime involving narcotics can receive pretrial diversion except and unless the deputy attorney general or the attorney general signs off personally. That is Lisa Monaco and Merrick Garland. They're the same corrupt actors that tried to goose the judicial system, got caught by a democratically appointed judge, and they were trying to conduct unconstitutional plea bargains to cover up the uh, biggest crime cover-up since Russiagate. And that's why we got to go back and impeach Garland and Ray. And all the other information will come out. Hunter Biden's corruption, Joe Biden's corruption. But that's the only way we prevent an election from being rigged yet again by the weaponized DOJ and FBI. Uh, I saw a comment by a comedian yesterday who said that if you received pretrial diversion connection with a gun crime, well, then you ain't black. I mean, the truth (laughs) of the matter is that everyone else in this country who did what Hunter Biden did has done Mm -hmm. time for it. But not only were they prepared to give him a walk, they tried to bury within that agreement very broad immunity against prosecution for mm-hmm. any other crime. We're going to have Garrett Ziegler from the Marco Polo Research Organization on the show later today to break that down for us further. But, Cash, I have now had the opportunity to read all of Merrick Garland's testimony before the Congress regarding these matters. And I've also mm-hmm. had the opportunity to read all the testimony of the various whistleblowers, uh, including mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Shapley and I think it's Mr. Ziegler, there seems to be a real discrepancy, meaning uh, either Uh the attorney general lied to Congress or these whistleblowers lied to Congress. Uh, But as someone who was charged with lying for Congress, despite the fact that no misstatement I ever made was material, no misstatement Uh I ever made hid any underlying crime, 
uh, I, I kind of think you're right that all of that needs to be explored, and the best vehicle to do so would be an impeachment proceeding. Absolutely right. And we have to remind America, the only place where Republicans even have a modicum of power is the House of Representatives, where we have a slim majority. We don't have the White House. We don't have the FBI. We don't have DOJ, CIA, NSA, DOD, or anything else. And we don't have most of the judiciary. But the impeachment process, as you and your audience very well know, is just the bringing of charges. And that's the critical issue here. I know that it's rigged over there in the Senate when it comes to bringing impeachment charges. But that's not the point. Remember, they launched a fraudulent, baseless unlawful impeachment against President Trump when Schiff and his cronies, Vindman and Charmella, lied about information under a quote-unquote whistleblower protection statute to come in and falsely accuse President Trump of a what quid pro quo with Ukraine. How, how ironic and hypocritical. But they brought it, and nothing came out, and actually we exposed their corruption. We now should take a page out of their playbook. And I'm not saying what we're going to do is unlawful and unethical. We're going to actually bring a peach, an impeachment proceeding based in unlawful conduct of Christopher Ray and Mark Garland. We are at that moment in time where our Congress needs to show up and show the American people that they're going to swing for them and stop with the stupid headline grabs of saying, oh, let's impeach Joe Biden, as if that is going to get you anything except maybe one day in a primetime slot on whatever network at night. It's not about you the people in Congress. It is about serving the American people to prevent another election from being rigged and taken away from us. And we've got to go after Garland and Ray, the twins of architecture when it comes to injustice. Uh, I don't think most Americans understand the hardship uh, that these courageous whistleblowers uh, have, mm-hmm. sh- have shown, uh, uh, pardon me, have been, have been subjected to. The economic hardship, uh, the the family problems. Some of them were yeah. actually at one point homeless. You have uh, used a nonprofit to raise money to help the families of these whistleblowers. Yet Congressman Dan Goldman of New York <laughs> accused accused you of bribery. Accused you of bribing this these whistleblowers. Essentially paying for what he alleges is false testimony. Would you speak to that? Absolutely. Look, you know. Whistleblower protection statute is incredibly important to exposing waste, fraud, and abuse. I handle these matters at the House Intelligence Committee, and it's ironic and, again, hypocritical that when we have credible whistleblowers who come forward and show that the FBI is rigging presidential elections, that they're going and getting in bed with big tech to censor free speech that they don't like if it benefits Donald Trump and so many others, they're, that they're going and targeting Catholics. These whistleblowers are the only reason we know about it. And the left doesn't own the monarchy, the monopoly on charitable organizations. So the Cash Foundation is there to help people who, after they come out with credible information, like these brave whistleblowers did, we help them because Chris Ray lied and retaliated against them, took their well-being, took their checks, moved them across the country, took their household goods, and removed their ability to take care of their children and families. So, yeah, we stepped in because they were brave enough to put the truth out and put the careers on the line. And FBI Director Chris Ray ruined him for it. And guys like Dan Goldman, when he says we're buying them ahead of time and he knows he's lying, he got caught. And we took it one step further. I referred Dan Goldman to this DOJ. I know they're not going to do much, but for criminal violations of federal statutes, for unethical behavior as a congressman. I also referred him to the House Ethics Committee. You have to go after these people. And his backtracking on the story is hilarious. Oh, well, we know we didn't really know what we uh, were talking about. We were just going off some statement. And he put out a clear tweet saying, I am Donald Trump's puppet. I'm buying and bribing whistleblowers. 
And this is unlawful conduct from the well of Congress. There's a statute that allows prosecution for it. And um, I'm going to stay on it. I know this DOJ won't do anything, but this is why we have to go after Merrick Garland. It's all interconnected. And Chris Ray, when Donald Trump's back in power, we will prosecute the likes of Dan Goldman and company and make sure members of Congress aren't going to be like the likes of Schiff and Swalwell and Goldman. And so we are not going to bend the knee. If you know people in need, the Cash Foundation is there, not just for whistleblowers, but anybody, law enforcement, active duty, military, you've got a scholarship. We're helping whoever they, whoever you want. Go to thecashfoundation.com. Check it out. We've got the best merch line in the in the business. Cashfoundation.com, folks, if you want to help these brave whistleblowers and their families. Uh, Cash, you were you served as senior counsel for the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. Uh, you were investigating uh, the everything surrounding RussiaGate, and come mm. to find out, the FBI was actually spying on you. <laughs> while you were fulfilling your obligations uh, as a staffer to a, a legitimate legislative inquiry. Uh, this makes Watergate, I'm sorry, look like small potatoes. Where does that case stand? Yeah, no, look, I mean, I wish it wasn't, you know, just about me. And But the point is we have to expose corruption wherever it lies. And that's what I talk about so often in government gangsters. We can't count on the career politicians to do the jobs they used to do credibly. When I was running Russiagate five, six, seven years ago for Devin Nunes, we were threatened by Rod Rosenstein and Christopher Ray in the skiff in the bottom of the United States Capitol. They came after us and threatened us to investigate and subpoena us in our records. The only uh, ironical thing about that threat was they had already initiated the investigation months before that threat was made in January of 2018. And it's been widely reported that they did that. But we didn't find out about the investigation that they did covertly against us until three months ago when Google informed me, of all people, Google said, hey, you you were uh, a recipient of a grand jury subpoena from the Department of Justice for your emails, banking information, personal information. We have a five-year term where we let the people know after it's lapsed. So that's how we found out. So then I said, well, that's not good. That, that can't stand. If they investigated me, what other staffers did they go after? And why did they do it? Because they wanted dirt on Devin, because we were exposing their FISA corruption, their FISA abuse, their unlawful targeting of Donald Trump, his campaign, and so many other people. And so what we did was we've, we've now gotten the Weaponization Committee to open a formal investigation in Congress against Rod Rosenstein, Chris Ray, demanding all documentation, because the only people that could have authorized that matter are the director and the attorney general. And so we got to get all that document out. We got to keep the, the headwinds going. I'm glad that Congress is finally acting. And I'm also announcing on your show, Roger, that I have a lawsuit coming related to this matter. We are not going to stand quietly by. If Congress doesn't get the information that is necessary to expose the, cru- the corruption of FBI and DOJ from Rosenstein and Ray, I'm going to get it in the federal courts through my lawsuit against people individually that I'll name shortly um, in the next week or two. Uh, in my view, former Congressman Devin Nunes is one of the unsung heroes of this yes. entire sordid uh, saga uh, of abuse of power uh, by the uh, Obama administration. I mean, uh, the entire Russian collusion hoax is nothing less uh, than the single biggest dirty trick in American political history. It's an abuse of power in which the full authority of the U.S. government and the extraordinary capability of our intelligence agencies was weaponized and used illegally and illicitly 
with no probable cause whatsoever in an effort to unseat a duly elected president. It was used as the rationale for the opening of the FBI's counterintelligence operation Crossfire Hurricane. It was used to rationalize the appointment of Robert Mueller as a special counsel. And most shockingly, it was used long after they knew there was no evidence to justify the FISA warrants that were used to spy on Donald Trump's uh, campaign. You make reference to your book, uh, Government Gangsters. We're going to talk about that in one second. First, I want to remind people, this is The Roger Stone Show. This is WABC Radio. You can listen to us streaming worldwide on WABCRadio.com. And we're interviewing Cash Patel, former chief of staff to the U.S. Department of Defense, uh, former deputy assistant to the president and senior director for counterterrorism uh, and senior counsel to the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. Cash, you wrote a terrific book exposing uh, all of these uh, miscreants, government gangsters. But because you're a former government appointee, uh, because you served in many key and sensitive positions in American government, your book had to be reviewed by the government before it could be published. And it looked to me like they were stonewalling publication of your book. Uh, now I see that the book will be available. How did that play out? Yeah, yeah thanks so much. Yeah, it's, it's, over, it's pre-order right now on governmentgangsters.com. I'm doing something special where I'm signing and personalizing messages. We don't need the book industry anymore to dominate and allow liberal lies to go through. That's what Government Gangsters is about. But you're right. A process that takes three months normally to review a book and a manuscript and let it out, and I agree with that original process, took nine months in my case, nine. And I had to file a federal lawsuit. I had to hire an attorney, spend thousands of dollars, and sue the Department of Justice and DOD and FBI and everybody else that reviewed my book because they were slow rolling it. And they, at the end of the day, when we won our federal lawsuit, came back and said, oh, there's actually no real redactions in this book that are necessary. It was like eight words, literally. It's so laughable. They were sitting on it because I name every government gangster in that book, Democrat, Republican. I give you the shorthand version, how to reform every agency in the back of the book. And I also go into my um, tenure throughout government service and who the corrupt actors are, like Bill Barr, like Mark Esper, like Gina Haspel, like Christopher Ray, like Rod Rosenstein, and so many others. But more importantly, it's not just about winning elections. Donald Trump called this the book to win back the White House in 2024, and it's the roadmap to do so. So if you want to dive in and have a great read, pre-order now at governmentgangsters.com. The book is releasing in September, September, September. It's currently heading up the charts to number one. So I appreciate you letting me talk about it. There are a lot of secrets in there that this government didn't want you to read, and they buried it for almost 10 months, but we did not bend the knee, and it's out. It's coming out in September, governmentgangsters.com. I really, I cannot wait to get my hands on this book. So, folks, please pre-order now. Uh, I think there's a lot of bombshells there about to be revealed. It's amazing to me how the Department of Justice can move very quickly when they want to, and they can also move very slowly when they want to. So the, the between the raid on Marlago, uh, which I think is a totally fabricated crime, because I believe under the Presidential Documents Act of 1977, President Donald Trump is entitled to decide what is a government document, what is a personal document, and do anything yeah. he wants with them. But between that time and the time that he's charged is a matter of months, and then they want to go to trial originally 
this December. On the other hand, John <laughs> Durham, who is supposed to investigate the origins of the Russian collusion uh, hoax, takes five years, almost mm-hmm. exactly the length of time for the statute of limitations to run out <laughs> on the entire Hillary Clinton criminal gang. Uh, he he goes through the steps of indicting the people at the lowest possible level uh, of the Clinton-Obama crime syndicate, which is kind of like charging the guy who drove the getaway car in a bank robbery for (laughs) double parking while he lets the bank robbers testify against the driver, thus incriminating themselves, but he lets the bank robbers keep the loot anyway. Uh, It's the same story with your book. Instead of the regular three months, they sit on it uh, and they buy time. Uh, it is it is outrageous to see the way the system has been gamed against President Trump and against anybody who, let's face it, isn't a Democrat. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and that's that's the central tenet of government gangsters. The two tier system of justice isn't just in the courts, isn't just in the FBI and DOJ isn't just in the executive branch. It's in the administrative state. It's in every level of government, state and federal. It's in the judiciary and the bench and the lawyers and the judges across this country. It's in the halls of Congress. The two-tier system of justice, and this is what I tell Donald Trump privately, and I'm happy to tell you publicly, it's one of the central tenets, in my opinion, of a successful presidential campaign. It is destroying American lives. And as Donald Trump has said, they are coming after you. He's just in the way. Look at what they are doing, so many of the Jan 6 families. Look at what they're doing to whistleblowers. Look at what they are doing to Donald Trump and how they are differently treating Hunter and Joe Biden. And then look at the judges across this country, state and federal. And my biggest problem is not necessarily with them, and I go into this in my book, is that what are the state attorney generals in Republican states doing, Roger? They have all the law enforcement authority uh, invested in them through their constitution and ours to prosecute individuals like Hunter Biden. Are you to tell me that Hunter Biden didn't use uh, um, ill-gotten gains to have a prostitute service him in some state? That's a crime. They can prosecute him. They can impanel a grand jury. They can go get subpoenas and get uh, cell phone data records and emails. Not one single Republican state attorney general has acted appropriately, in my opinion, to investigate the corruption that they have relied on DOJ to bastardize. That's on them as much as it is on DOJ. I'm waiting for an attorney general to step up in a red state and say, well, if you, Washington, won't act, we will. They have the authority to do it. It's just shameful that they haven't done it. Well, you got to hand it to Hunter Biden. Uh, he gets serviced by hookers, and then he writes it off on his taxes, calling it a traveling assistant. Un- unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Right. So, uh, Cash, you've, you've been a prosecutor. Uh, you uh, mm-hmm. you understand this probably better than most. What do you make of these superseding indictments uh, that were announced against uh, President Donald Trump last Thursday, where they add additional charges uh, to the facts surrounding the Mar-a-Lago raid? And that's the key right there. It's a superseding indictment. It's not a new indictment. It's information they had, and it shows you how DOJ, Jack Smith, Merrick Garland, Christopher Ray operate. They could have brought these same charges with the same boat way back when, but they wanted two bites at the apple. They wanted two times of a story, and they weaponized justice to do it. And also, there are no coincidences in government. I talk about that deeply in my book, Government Gangsters. These people are making all the decisions. Garland, 
Ray, Smith, Lisa Monaco, they decided to give Hunter Biden that sweetheart plea deal. They decided to let Hunter Biden go into federal court and almost commit an unconstitutional act because they, DOJ, gave him a pass. And the next day, they just miraculously come up with a superseding indictment on Donald Trump to take away from the corruption that is Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and their own DOJ and FBI? No, there are no coincidences. And I think that's the focal point of this superseding indictment. Not to mention the fact that now they're going after this, you know, the chef and the security guy. They are just reaching for headlines. And I think it's falling flat. I've looked at even the fake news media and people are just saying, oh, great. More of your garbage yet again, more of your unlawful conduct. And they don't even tie the newly found charges to any newly found alleged criminal conduct. They're just like, oh, we're going to add a conspiracy charge, an obstruction charge, because it sounds spooky. But we had this information the entire time. you got to ask yourself, why didn't they do that? It's not like they didn't have this information. They did it for political purposes, and that's what this indictment shows, the politicization and weaponization of DOJ and FBI, and they're continuing to use Donald Trump as his target. And I'm so glad to see him just bravely withstand this, steamroll them, and he's going to go around the country. I think he's traveling the next few days and just tell us what exactly he thinks in only the way he can do it. And that is going to be what America listens to, not these superseding indictments. Yeah, it really is an information war. In other words, how do we get the, the total collapse uh, and exposure of Hunter Biden's fraudulent rigged plea deal off the front pages and off the news. Oh, we drop yet another indictment against Donald Trump. It's all it's all it's all news management. That that's really what it is all about. Speculation uh, in in uh, the New York Post uh, on Friday, a uh, very good piece uh speculating that now special counsel Jack Smith, uh, who has a record of being reversed uh, in two polit- major political corruption cases that he tried, one against former Senator John Edwards uh, in North Carolina, where Edwards was acquitted on one count, uh, the jury deadlocked on all other counts, uh, the DOJ elected not to retry him, uh, and then the extraordinary personal destruction of former Virginia Governor uh, Bob McDonald, mm-hmm. where Jack Smith was reversed nine to zero, uh, by the, the by the Supreme Court of the United States, uh, speculating that now uh, Jack Smith will bring charges uh, pertaining to January 6th. But there's been speculation, would this pertain to the riot at the Capitol or would it pertain to the effort to delay the certification of the Electoral College votes, which, by the way, the Democrats tried in 2016, uh, or alternative electors, which John Kennedy uh, engaged in in 1960. Uh, but it now appears that it will be mm-hmm. both the belt and suspenders approach to getting Donald Trump. What do you think? That's just it. That's what they're doing. And we have to highlight, that, like you did, that the, the unlawful, unethical conduct. It's the same people making these decisions. Jack Smith, Merrick Garland. And I'm going to add one to the, to the list. Karen Gilbert, who is Jack Smith's deputy. She's the deputy special counsel. When I was a federal public defender in the Southern District of Florida, she was a a federal prosecutor there. I caught her and her protege hiding Brady evidence in the largest narco trafficking case we had tried down there to date. And the case ended up basically being thrown out. If that weren't enough, Karen Gilbert herself, while a federal prosecutor, authorized without seeking permission the unlawful wiretapping of a defense attorney's phone 
with a conversation he was having with his investigator to help him prepare for trial. She was about to be thrown out of the Justice Department by the federal judge overseeing that case before she, quote unquote, got reassigned and resigned temporarily. Now, where do we find her? No surprise, leading Jack Smith's charge. She's the Andrew Weissman of Jack Smith. And so we have to put these characters on full blast because we have to show the American people they are acting unlawfully. They are acting unethically. They are acting politically. And that's what you're seeing play out here with the now, you know, the leaks about what's coming on January 6th, et cetera. I think you are going to see a massive boomerang effect. They are highlighting their faults. Nothing that Donald Trump did illegally because he didn't do anything unlawfully. And people are now starting to see, Roger, that these aren't right-wing conspiracy theories, that Donald Trump's innocent, that Donald Trump acted appropriately on January 6th, that he acted appropriately and not unlawfully as it relates to Mar-a-Lago or anything else. People are starting to see these collection of government gangsters repeats itself all the time. And as I say always, all roads lead back to Russiagate. Karen, whether it's uh, Merrick Garland or, excuse me, Christopher Ray or Rod Rosenstein or Lisa Monaco, the current deputy attorney general who is running the entire operation for Garland out of DOJ and is in bed with the corrupt prosecutors at the special counsel's office. It is the same cabal of government gangsters, and we have to expose them. And the only way to do that is to subpoena Christopher Ray and Merrick Garland and institute impeachment proceedings so we get all the communications and all of their unlawful conduct out in the open. Because there's one thing I learned in government service that you can rely on. These government gangsters think they are so above the law that they will never get caught. And when we caught them in Russiagate, they doubled down and said, we're just going to be smarter about it later. Don't worry, we're never going to get caught. And now with the Biden administration, they don't think it's possible. But that's where you got to catch them. That's where they'll slip up the mouse. And that's why we got to impeach Ray and Garland. Uh, very, very hard to win an information war, which is really what we're in, uh, with the level of censorship uh, that continues to exist on many social media platforms uh, and even Google's manipulation of our email. Uh, you uh, and Devin Nunes have done a tremendous job with Truth Social. Truth Social is a very vibrant uh, social media platform. Uh, where you are very active, tell folks where they can find you on uh, on True Social, uh, and tell us a little bit about how True Social is doing. No, it's great. Thank you for that. I'm I, look. I'm a, I'm a member of the board of directors of Truth Social, so I'm intimately involved with it as Devin Nunes, the CEO, and Donald Trump, the founder and creator. It is a truly censorship-free speech platform, and it's the only social media I have. I'm at Cash on Truth Social, at K A S H on Truth Social. Uh, we're lighting it up over there. But here's the, here's the, here's what I'd like to use Truth Social as another piece of evidence to show the disinformation campaigns of the left. They said it was failing. They said it would never get off the ground. They still say it's failing. Yet we are not failing. We are exploding in um, uh, accounts. We are exploding in engagement. We are dwarfing the amount of actual information that's put out there. And we are not participating in any disinformation. It's not for the right. We have the left on there. We've got Gavin Newsom on there. We want everybody on there. I want AOC on there. And everybody is engaged in dialogue. And that is the beauty of Truth Social. And as I think we see um, the rest of the second half of this year play out, you're going to see another explosion. We are available around the world in every country now. We're on every Apple device, every Google device, even though they tried to thwart us along the way. So if you're not on Truth Social, check it out because – if it's for no other reason than the following, Donald J. Trump is only on Truth Social, and he's putting out his Agenda 47 daily there, and he's issuing truths on a daily basis, and it is wild, wild stuff. 
We're having a great time. Come join the party at Truth Social. Uh, you can find Cash uh, Patel at Truth Social at Cash. You can find me at Real Roger Stone. Uh, I urge you to sign up at Truth Social if you're not there. Uh, I can attest to what you say. Everybody is there. I can tell by my comments because half the people love me and, well, half the people not so much. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm honored to have Cash Patel on the Roger Stone Show today. He knows that I admire him so much. I have named one of my dogs after him. Uh, that is not to mock him. That is to honor him. It is a true privilege to call you a friend, and I thank you so much for joining us. Richard Nixon. Well, I'm not a crook. Ronald Reagan. Tear down this wall. George W. Bush. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. And Donald Trump. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics, and he's a professional at the highest level Roger Stone. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval Office. That man is Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. Welcome back. I'm Roger Stone. And joining me now is Nick Adams. You might know him from Twitter, where he is known as the Alpha Male. He's also the head honcho of the Foundation for Liberty uh, and Greatness. Uh, and he joins us now on the Roger Stone Show. Nick Adams, welcome to the show. Roger, it's a pleasure. I'm delighted to join you and your listeners. Thank you for having me. Now, you immigrated to the United States uh, on July 29th, 2016. Uh, that's right, the 29th of July. That marks seven years uh, as your anniversary of immigrating to the greatest country on earth, the United States. How does it feel? I mean, how do you feel? Uh, 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 this country has had quite a change. Roger, you know, look, it's a great question. I get it a lot. Obviously, I fought very hard to come to live in the United States. Anybody that's tried to immigrate legally the right way from anywhere else knows precisely how hard it is. It took me many years. It cost me many tens of thousands of dollars. I love America, and I am still in love with the idea of America. There's still no place I'd rather wake up. I still want to kiss the ground every single day. I still believe that despite all of our problems and all of our challenges, and you and I know better than it, everyone how many challenges and problems there are, but despite all of that, I still think that this is the greatest place on earth, and I am more determined than ever to fight for it, to preserve it, and to make sure that the people that want to change it into the place that I left and so many millions, tens of millions of others over the course of history have left to come here, I want to make sure that those people don't have the level of influence that they have now. Now, you left behind uh, in your native country a very promising uh, political career uh, when you made the decision to come to the United States. Tell us about that. Look, I left Australia, Roger, because Australia is a country that 
I think really is for people that prize timidity and moderation and desire a life characterised by small steps. And I never had a personality that fit into that Australian conformity. I always felt differently. I like to joke that I was an American trapped inside an Australian body for the first 32 years of my life. I was always entrepreneurial. I was always a bit of a maverick. I always wanted to, to do things a unique way. I wanted to blaze a trail and leave a legacy and colour outside of the lines and do all of that stuff. And unfortunately, in Australia, when you do those things, all of a sudden you become a target, all of a sudden uh, life becomes rather difficult and, and unpleasant. And I wanted to come to a place where my boldness and my willingness to take risks would be rewarded, where I could find people that would support me and, and buttress my efforts and uh, really take me to the next levels and, and be mentors and supporters and all of that kind of stuff. So that's why I came to the United States of America. I worked out that Australia wasn't really for me. Uh, I did have a lot of success in Australia. I was very young, but I did. I was elected to local government at the age of 19, one of the youngest ever elected. I became the youngest deputy mayor in Australian electoral history. Uh, at the age of 21 and eight days, the 13th of September 2005, in a uh, suburban council there in Sydney. Uh, so I, I obviously I had a great academic record, uh, but I really wanted a lot more. And America offers a lot more to people like me. It's been the place where people whose dreams are too big for the countries of their birth come and uh, that's that's certainly me and when i look at my life over the last seven years roger it's the best decision i've ever made and it's just incredible you know my relationship with the 45th president of the united states i've been on board air force one i've been bowling at the white house i have a personal relationship with the president people in the media refer to me as the president's favorite author he endorsed three of my books in the four years that he was in the white house he appointed me a presidential appointment uh to a a board that is within the smithsonian institution the wilson center so i i have gone on to live a life i have more than three million followers on all of my combined social media platforms i have a thriving non-profit, nine governors have given me honorary status in their states. These are things that would never have been possible had I stayed in Australia. They would never have been possible anywhere else, quite frankly, in the world. And that's why what we have here is so special and that's why it's so terrifying and devastating that so many people want to change it. Now, Nick, you have established yourself on Twitter as a top alpha male and one of America's most eligible bachelors. Uh, you describe the perfect day as uh, beginning with prayer, uh, along the way a thick, juicy steak, then perhaps a foursome on the golf course with the boys, 
uh, and rounding out the night with a round of drinks, domestic beer, of course, at Hooters. Uh, what is it about you and your message that makes you so very magnetic to the ladies? <laughs> well, Roger, look, you, you put it so nicely. Uh, look, I'm a boy. I'm a regular man. And unfortunately, that has been under attack incredibly by everybody in our culture. The feminists, the woke agenda, the beta males, everyone has made alpha males or men with traditional masculinity. They have made them to be public enemy number one. And what I try and do is I try and be as as real and as normal and as playful as I think that all men naturally are. And the truth is that I love playing a foursome with the boys on the golf course. I love having an ice-cold domestic. I love having a steak. The vegans can get bent. The people that don't want to allow us to have any steak, I've got no time for them. Uh, I don't... Well, I'm not a big fan of the soy milks and the almond milks and the oat milks. And I often say on Twitter that you need a diet. An alpha male has a diet that consists of 80% protein and precisely 0% soy. And I think that that's a very good guide for all young people. And I think that my message really resonates. Roger, I've been stopped. Uh, I've been stopped in Israel, in, in Jerusalem. I've been stopped in New York City. I've been stopped in Washington, D.C. on the street by young men that love this message, that feel like I have empowered them to be able to celebrate their masculinity and not be ashamed of it, to not have to apologize for it. And women love alphas. Rog, I mean, you know that better than anybody. Women love men that are strong that put their foot down and that are leaders. That's what nature intended. And um, that's I, I, I have a lot of fun with this, but there's a lot of seriousness to it as well. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of going to a UFC fight with President Donald Trump. Uh, it was an extraordinary experience. The president got an amazing reception. But as I looked around this enormous stadium filled with 5,000 people, I didn't see any vegans. I didn't see anybody uh, snacking on tofu. Uh, I didn't see any atheists. And I certainly didn't see any beta males. So there is a whole world of, of men and women out there who agree with you, Nick. Uh, do you think that uh, Governor Ron DeSantis's colossal flame-out He's now being passed in the polls by Vivek Ramswamy. Uh, can be attributed to the fact that he's simply a beta male and that President Donald Trump is a dominant alpha. In other words, did Ron DeSantis ever even stand a chance against President Trump, considering the difference uh, when it comes to masculinity between the two? Roger, I think that Governor DeSantis made a colossal error in entering this race. I don't believe he was ever going to have a chance at besting Donald Trump. Donald Trump is an alpha beast. Uh, Ron DeSantis can simply not compete 
with that, with that presence, with that ability, with that strength of mind, of courage, of all of that kind of stuff. And he's entered the race, and I think that people are really seeing uh, him for what he is. I mean, I've often asked the question, Roger, is Ron DeSantis running for president or is Casey DeSantis running for president? I mean, to me, it seems that Casey DeSantis has an outsized influence on her husband. And I'm looking to elect, if I wanted to elect Ron DeSantis, I'm looking to elect him, not his wife. So these are, these are, these are big issues. And, of course, a, an alpha male uh, isn't governed by the influence of his wife. And it appears that Ron DeSantis in many ways is. So these are all things, I think, that have come to the fore during this campaign in the last few months since Governor DeSantis got in. Uh, it's very sad. I don't know that he is ever going to fulfil his potential politically, whatever God had in store for him. I don't think that that is going to be possible now because of this grave error of misjudgment, uh, which also, I might add, he's also contravened another key tenant, Roger, which is loyalty. Alpha males are loyal. They're loyal even when it is not in their interests to be loyal. And he, here is somebody that would not be who he was, would not have the chance to have done what he did in Florida were it not for Donald Trump. And the first opportunity he gets, he decides that he is going to, to run and against the man that made him. So all of these things, when you start to calculate them, Roger, when they just begin to add up and people form the perception of a disloyal, weak candidate whose time it is not and who was unfortunately, I think, given very wrong advice to jump into this race. Uh, Nick, what do you make of the media's obsession with shoving men competing in women's sports down our throats? Is this rooted in a love of women, uh, a hatred of women, a love of men? What's behind this entire trope? Yes, it's quite incredible, Roger. I mean, obviously it is a hate of men. They want to normalise women's sports because they don't like to see men going at it and succeeding they want to condition men that women are the physical pinnacle of humanity. For thousands of years, men's sports uh, have been universally acknowledged to be the pinnacle. And what they're trying to do, Roger, is artificially elevate women to our level by conditioning young men to think that women's sports are impressive. That's it in a nutshell. Uh, folks, if you're just tuning in, this is the Roger Stone Show. You're on WABC Radio. You can find us at 770 at the AM dial if you're in the greater New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area. Or remember, we are streaming worldwide at WABCRadio.com. You can hear us any place uh, in the world. So 
Go to your cell phone now, call a relative, call a friend, call an acquaintance, call your family, and let them know they can tune in to The Roger Stone Show and the rest of the great lineup here on WABC and get them to tune in now. Uh, Nick, uh, let's get serious here for a moment. Uh, you serve as the uh, head honcho of the Foundation for Liberty and Greatness. You're doing some very, very important work. Uh, tell us about the work of your organization called FLAG and exactly what you're doing. Yes, Roger. So I started FLAG on the very first day that I immigrated, the 29th of July, 2016. Uh, FLAG is the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. We have been up until now all about two very simple things. Number one, teaching civics. And number two, putting patriotism back in K-12 schools. In 2017, we teamed up with interns from the late Justice Antonin Scalia's office and we got the United States Constitution into plain, simple, easy-to-understand English that even a fifth grader can comprehend. We launched it live on Fox News, on the Fox News Plaza in Manhattan, back when Fox News was Fox News. And that resource has been a rocket ship. For us, uh, on the heels of the stunning success of our students' constitution, Roger, we released the students' declaration of independence, students' selected readings of the Federalist Papers, and the students' guide to the Electoral College. Our most recent resource is Freedom versus Socialism, a high schooler's guide, and we now have more than 1.6 million students all across the United States of America that have at least one of those five resources in their hands. We also have a teacher's guide for teaching civics that has been completed by professional development experts. This is for in-classroom instruction. And we have over 12,000 teachers that use that resource in their classrooms and their work. Uh, we also have our parent and grandparents guide to teaching civics. We call it uh, around the dining table, patriots around the dining table. And this allows families, Roger, to completely circumvent, if they wish, the toxic, poisonous K to 12 system uh, that we sadly have in this country today and they're able to teach their children and grandchildren at home what they need to know, the fair, objective representation of American history and America's founding principles. We also produce resources that explain what critical race theory is and all of the different the plethora of issues within the K-12 system uh, and uh, to inform citizens so that they're able to fight on behalf of their children and grandchildren. They're able to take up the fight to their local school board. They're able to take up the fight to the teacher or the principal or the superintendent or whatever the circumstances require. So we're all about making sure that young Americans understand what it means to be an American, Roger, and that, that they have the confidence to 
defend America when it will be undoubtedly attacked. And quite sadly, I think we have a situation where for several generations now, we have not passed on what it means to be an American. We have not taught Americanism, the limited government dimension, the moral dimension. And that's what we try and do. We do school presentations as well. We have our flag schools pledge where we get schools to commit to doing three very simple things. Number one, display an American flag in every classroom. Number two, recite the Pledge of Allegiance every day. And number three, sing the national anthem before all major sporting events. Uh, we host a big gala each year. This year we had Glenn Beck. Last year we had Kayleigh McEnany. The year before that, Dennis Quaid. Before that, Laura Ingram, uh, Bill O'Reilly. Eric Bowling. Uh, we also work hard, Roger, to make sure, if, and you can follow us on social media, uh, we reach about 20 million Americans a month on all of our combined social media platforms. Uh, so make sure that you follow Nick Adams and Flag on any of the platforms that you're on. Uh, I don't have, unfortunately, it's just the reality that social media is the way that young people today receive their information. And so I believe as a, as a political strategist, Roger, certainly not on your stratospheric level, but on my base level, uh, I believe that we should never let the enemy, in this case the left, play unopposed on any territory. And so as much as many regular, ordinary Americans have a contempt for social media, uh, we really have a responsibility to have a presence on there to push back against so much of the woke nonsense that is being spouted there. So flag has grown from strength to strength. We are a 501c3 non-profit. So our work is only possible because of the generosity of patriots across the country. If you like what we do, and you can go to our website, flagusa.org. That's flagusa.org. Uh, you can have a closer look at all of our activities. And if you like what you see, I would encourage people to consider making a 100% tax-deductible donation. And you can do that online, flagusa.org slash donate. Flagusa.org slash donate. Uh, Nick, if you could change three things about society today to make it more friendly to alpha males and to patriots, uh, what would that be? Well, Roger, if you have a look, at all of the different statistics, you see that there are a number of human rights issues that affect men disproportionately. And I'm talking about things going from war deaths to suicides to workplace deaths, uh, false allegations of rape. Uh, there, there are so many uh, of those that I think need to be given attention and all of us have got brothers, fathers, sons, grandfathers, nephews. So every single person has a stake uh, in this. And uh, so on a serious level, I think these are things that need to be addressed for men uh, as a whole. Uh, three things that would make alpha males the world a better place or an easier place. Stop making all of the domestic beer so woke. 
We're running out of beers that we can drink. We want our beers to be ice cold. We want them to be domestic. But unfortunately, with what Bud Light did, and they own so many different breweries and beers and stuff, we're really stuck with the England right now. And so it'd be nice to, to kind of have some more uh, domestic, non-woke beers, certainly. Uh, it would be great if there was a Hooters in every zip code. For alpha males, I think that uh, alphas love going to Hooters where the drinks are cold, the food is good, and the view is outstanding. Uh, and then I, I think that uh, it would be, it would behoove society to, for alphas to uh, have a coffee shop where it's just black coffee, Roger, and there's none of the other, uh, shall we say, effeminate stuff, effeminate options. Now, this month, uh, you published your first ever children's book. Uh, Kenny the Koala uh, has just been released. Why did you feel it was important to write this book? Because the reality is, Roger, that our children today are being, in so many instances, fed the most vile and outrageous and inappropriate and pornographic material imaginable. We have drag queens reading to our children in public libraries various books that either depict sexual acts or they depict uh, the, the plight of a transgender young person or whatever it might be. And Kenny the Koala comes to the USA it is my first children's book, Roger. I wrote it. It's autobiographical. It's really my story. I'm, I'm essentially Kenny the Koala. It's my story, but I wrote it because it's uplifting, it's inspiring, it's truthful, and it's patriotic. And it's about Kenny the Koala who falls in love with America over in Australia and comes to the country looks around, likes what he sees, falls in love with the place, does the right thing in terms of getting, becoming legal, and uh, does his citizenship test, stays here, and achieves great things. And I think that's exactly the kind of book and the kind of message that young people, that, that our children need to be hearing and reading about and listening to. They need to have uplifting stuff. They need to have patriotic stuff. This is a, a very classic children's book. It's been number one on the Australian and Oceanic uh, lists for at least a month on Amazon. So I would highly suggest to anybody listening, if you have a grandchild, if you have a child, or if there's any kid that you think that uh, would benefit from this, Kenny the Koala comes to the USA. You can get it at Amazon. You can get it in all good bookstores. But it, it really is an old-fashioned tale uh, of American greatness and exceptionalism. The children love the main character, Kenny. They love all the different places that he visits all across the country. We've had rave reviews, Roger. And I just think it's so important in order to, we have to compete 
with these alternate, frankly, evil publications and, and messages that young children are getting. And I think the only way to do that is by doing that, is by producing our own stuff. So Kenny the Koala comes to the USA, brand new children's book. Uh, please think about going and getting it. So the first time I met Nick Adams, uh, we did indeed meet at Hooters. Uh, we knocked back a few ice-cold domestic beers. Uh, and we thought about ordering the wings, but then Nick confessed that, like all Americans, he loves a good pizza. So we went across the street, had some of the greatest New Haven, Connecticut-style pizza ever. Now, Nick, you may not be aware of this, but right now in New York City, which everyone recognizes is the mecca of the greatest pizza in America, woke bureaucrats in the administration of Mayor Eric Adams are seeking to outlaw and ban pizza ovens that are fueled with either coal or wood. This would have the effect of closing some of the greatest pizza emporiums on the face of the planet. We're talking about uh, John's of Bleecker Street. We're talking about Tantano's. We're talking about Grimaldi's. We're talking about Spumoni Gardens. Uh, these, these are emporiums of the greatest pizza. So when I hear about your work at Flag, I realize that what you are doing is fighting those who seek to bury our heritage, to cancel our history. So I salute you uh, in this fight, and I say, give me pizza or give me death. Thank you, Nick Adams, for joining us on this Roger Stone Show. Welcome back. This is the Roger Stone Show, and joining me now is Garrett Ziegler. He is the head of the Marco Polo Research Organization. This is a nonprofit organization that has dedicated itself to publishing all of the Hunter Biden laptop material, uh, which is, of course, uh, in the public domain. Uh, but they have done a yeoman job of annotating it and footnoting it to make it completely understandable and transparent to the American people. Uh, there's no analysis here. What they have published are the raw goods any American can go to marcopolousa.org. You have an opportunity there to download the laptop contents, or you can order a bound version of this shocking evidence. Don't worry about the pornographic images. They have been blurred. This is a family program, uh, and Marco Polo is a family-friendly organization. But I was stunned when I received my bound copy because what I see here is evidence of massive crimes, including extortion, uh, bribery, money laundering, influence peddling, illegal lobbying, and let's just say it, treason. Garrett Ziegler, welcome to The Roger Stone Show. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. So this is a massive undertaking. I don't think there is anyone in the country who has a better grip on what Hunter and Joe uh, and uh, Hunter's uncle Jimmy 
and other members of the Biden crime family have done. Talk to us uh, first, before we get to the breaking news, talk to us about the process of curating this enormous trove of evidence. Yes, well, the very first step was to separate all of the files on the device and this, you know, abandoned laptop, which I have a, a copy of its hard drive, is over 200 gigabytes. And it would be like any crack addict's laptop in that it was not organized at all. There were different file types strewn about, zero folder utilization. There were pictures of his, uh, you know, 13-year-old niece in bathing suits next to emails from Ukrainian oligarchs. Uh, right next to each other on the desktop. It's that insane. So what we did was separate each file by its type. So we put all the PDFs in a, in a file, all of the uh, emails in another folder, and that's and we systematically went through each and every email from in the course of uh, about 13 months, from 2021 to October of 2022. I went through all 128,000 emails, went through all the photos both of which we've put online, as you mentioned uh, at the start. And the goal, Roger, was very simple. We were about identifying verifiable criminal activity. The, the report is only about statute and regulation violations, and the number that we arrived at was 459. There's 459 violations of state and federal laws and regs on the device. A lion's share of those were committed by the Bidens, but like we'll talk about, this is really a RICO enterprise. There's about three to four dozen people uh, who have surrounded the Bidens for decades, and their livelihood, sustenance, prestige, and access depend on Joey. And so sometimes it's not Hunter committing the crime per se, but he's definitely definitely conspiring to do so. They always want to maintain multiple layers of plausible deniability. That phrase was used by Jimmy Biden himself in the Beverly uh, built the Beverly Hilton Hotel with Tony Bobolinsky and Joe Biden. So they always want to maintain plausible deniability. So if God forbid somebody like me comes up, they can say, well, you know, Joey didn't know all the details. Well, that only works if your uh, F up son doesn't leave his laptop at a repair shop. Uh, now, like uh, most truth tellers, uh, you have been very aggressively harassed uh, by Hunter Biden's $1,800 an hour lawyers. Uh, they've sent me threatening letters. They've sent my counsel, Tyler Nixon, uh, threatening letters. They don't seem to understand that this nation, uh, I first learned about it in the New York Post, I learned more about mm-hmm. it by going to MarcoPoloUSA.org. This information is in the public domain. There is no crime here. Uh, the only crime that I can see is that John Paul McIsaacs turned it over to the FBI and they sat on it and did nothing, nothing whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, McIsaacs, as I understand, based on what I have read, then passed it on to former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani, who can be here, heard right here every weekday at WABC Radio. Uh, and uh, he, after ascertaining its authenticity, passed it on to one of the oldest newspapers in the country, the New York Post, uh, where Miranda Devine 
one of the bravest and most courageous and meticulous journalists in the country today, uh, began deconstructing uh, an epic tale of corruption. Exactly. That's the you got the chain of custody right, and I think because Abby Lowell knows in his bones. Now he he is a, a legal mercenary, not unlike the Florentine army of old. He's a total hired hand. He doesn't really believe in anything but Abby Lowell. If you tell him to jump, he'll ask how high, and and he'll tell you, oh, you also owe me, you know, eighteen hundred dollars an hour to jump. So I don't think he actually believes there is any legal liability on my part, on Rudy's part, et cetera, from the, from the standpoint of publishing. Because like you said, Roger, there are multiple layers between me and Hunter leaving his laptop there. And let's just go to their best argument. Their best argument is that the Delaware statute makes abandoned property only abandoned after one year, right? Whereas the work order that Hunter signed, we verified his signature. The work order Hunter signed said 90 days after the completion of the data job. If you do not pick up your device in 90 days, it becomes the property of the shop owner. Well, let's go with Abby Lowell's uh, half-hearted argument. Even if it's a year under Delaware state law, which usually is the, the level of law that governs these agreements. It's not necessarily federal. That still protects us because John Paul McIsaac didn't send a copy of, of the device to Robert Costello, who just signed on to a letter we wrote last week to the judge asking her to reject this plea deal until August of 2020. I know I'm getting in the weeds here, but their best argument falls on its face because it was more than a year. So it was clearly abandoned property. Hunter was addicted to crack cocaine. We found on his laptop uh, 57 instances in which he misplaced his iPhone. He had to use his iPhone, or he had to use an app called Find My iPhone 57 times in a span of a little over 100 days. So this is somebody who, who seriously, Serially misplaces things, and that's because of a of a just <laughs> wicked addiction to crack cocaine. So it's totally plausible. This story on its face, if somebody's listening in a day and has never heard of the Biden laptop, never heard of me, they they would uh, not be blamed for 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 stepping back and saying, "Wow, this is something!" Right? So much incriminating evidence on the sitting U.S. president, um, but. Once they delve into it and read these emails, which they can go read on BidenLaptopEmails.com, they're going to see that it all fits. And that is why I have been obsessed with this, not unlike a hunting dog for nearly two years, because it doesn't go higher than this. If I were just interested in corruption at any level, you know, I could occupy my time by just talking about state reps or senators, Lord knows, like, say, say Menendez in, in New Jersey, he wakes up and goes to sleep corrupt. There's no end to what I could dig into to Robert Menendez. By the way, speaking of which, Roger, Abby Lowell represented Menendez and, and got him off on that federal case, <laughs> hilariously. But it's because Joe is the most powerful man in America, 
uh, on paper, although I would I would say that the Council on Foreign Relations and his handlers are actually controlling him. But nevertheless, this scandal goes to the very top, and that's why it intrigues me, because we, like we were talking about before, Richard Nixon and other mortals have gotten sandbagged for much, much less. In the Constitution, which I was just reading last night to be very clear on the language, what they tried to impeach Trump for could never be inferred by the language. High crimes and other misdemeanors. There was nothing. They had no quid pro quo. They don't even. They didn't even really have a quid. It was really an ask. Hey, and by the way, hilariously, the DOJ already had an active investigation into Hunter in Ukraine when Joe, when, when Trump asked that. But none of these talk. But none of these talking heads ever ever mentioned that that there was already an active investigation. So he wasn't doing anything wrong to begin with. However. The Constitution says treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. If the allegations pan out that Joey did accept $5 million in some form, meaning uh, uh, cleanse it through 10 shell companies, uh, make it go through 10 different wire transfers so you don't know where, where it's coming from, and, and he'll get it on the other side through his power of attorney, Mel Monzak. If that's the case, there's never been a clearer, clearer reason to impeach somebody because the founders put the clause in there themselves. They could have just said treason and other high crimes and misdemeanors, but no, somebody in that room, and I admit I'm ignorant about, I should go back and read the notes of who wanted it included in, in the document, but they said treason, bribery, and other, high, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. And what makes it impeachable is because Joey was the VP when all of this was going down. The shakedown to get Shokin fired was when Joey was the VP. So there's very few things in America more relevant than this topic, and that's why I'm, I'm glad to be talking about it. Yeah, what we now know, of course, is that the entire Ukrainian impeachment was designed to cover up the truth. I mean, Joe Biden actually exactly. openly bragged uh, about using his authority as vice president and threatening to withhold $1 billion dollars uh, if the Ukrainian government did not fire a prosecutor who was investigating Burisma and its involvement with his own son. But what we now know through the House Oversight Committee uh, is that Joe Biden and his son each got $5 million wired to them through a labyrinth uh, of dodges and blinds in order to buy that, buy that influence. It, it really boggles the mind. Uh, walk us through the plea deal uh, and the fast one that Hunter Biden's lawyers attempted to pull uh, on a federal court judge uh, only yesterday. So this broke down because the U.S. government proposed a deal that it had never proposed before in the history of the U.S. Republic, which is they were going to incorporate within a standard plea agreement which covered the two misdemeanor tax charges, a so-called diversion agreement on a felony gun charge. And the five-second explanation is that the judge said, this is unprecedented. She asked the prosecutor four times, is this unprecedented? He admitted four times under oath that it was unprecedented. And that that is why she's kicking it down the road for kicking the can down the road for another month. I think it might even be two months before they appear back in court. Marco Polo uh, obtained the transcript. I made friends with the court reporter. Thank God. 
And the 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 thing that everybody needs to realize is they were asking the judge to do something where uh, there's no process for this. They asked her to sign a document, namely the the plea agreement that incorporated provisions from an from an agreement called the diversion agreement that she can't even sign off on. So they're asking her to put her John Hancock on something that uh, she doesn't even have full control over. And so what they need and, – and by the way, why did they do this? That's what nobody's talked about yet. I've, I've been watching this news. I have, I have Twitter, you know, t- uh, Twitter notifications going every single minute for this. The one thing that's, that's been missing is the fact that if the government put, it, put the gun charge in the normal plea agreement, which, which would have happened to Joe Smith, Lord knows what would have happened to Roger Stone – they would have given the judge power to put Hunter in jail for as, as much as 10 years because if the gun charge goes in the plea agreement, the judge has power to sentence him uh, to the maximum penalty of the charge. Now, do I think that would happen? No. But nevertheless, the gun charge is materially different than the misdemeanor tax charges, obviously because one's a, a misdemeanor one's a felony. But the punishment for the gun charge is up to 10 years. And so Hunter really has two priorities. Avoid jail at all costs, which he's already going to get because his daddy's the, 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 the president and he'll pardon him. But even more than that, he wants to get a global agreement done so he doesn't ever have to you know, <laughs> re- revisit this again. So they wanted to basically pull fast on, on the judge. The transcript itself has the judge saying, so you basically expect me to rubber stamp this and not say anything. She says that two different times. Um, so this is a small win for us. Ultimate justice has not been achieved, obviously, but it is better than the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario is the hearing lasted, you know, 40 minutes on Wednesday and she signed both documents and everybody said, wow, you know, nobody's above the law, you know, give me a break. Yeah. I've been uh, particularly interested in this because, uh, uh, miscreants, uh, such as Dan Goldman, uh, Eric Swalwell and others have said that I somehow got uh, a, you know a sweetheart deal from the IRS. Let's be very clear. Uh, I was sued in 2020 over my 2006 taxes. I owe the IRS. There's never been any dispute. Two million dollars, three quarters of which is interest and penalties. I'm up to date in my taxes for every year since. 2006, I made eight years of monthly payments against the amount I owed for 2006 without ever missing a payment until I simply ran out of money. So essentially, having never failed to report a penny of income, having never failed to report any asset whatsoever, I simply, because of their prosecution of me, ran out of money. I was given no break. I was given no negotiated reduction in penalty and interest, which is what would normally happen if your name was not Roger Stone. Uh, I, I got no break whatsoever. Contrast that with Hunter Biden. He failed to report at least $8.2 million in income, failed to declare it entirely. I think the actual number is closer to Ten million, 
yet I have Dan Goldman and Eric Swallow saying that I got a sweetheart deal? Really? I will have to pay every single penny of that off in monthly payments for the rest of my life. And the massive amount of information uh, that the government required had to be compiled by my wife, who was at that point battling stage four cancer. This woman sat at a computer from seven in the morning to sometimes one o'clock in the morning to meet the government's deadlines to submit all of the information. But because she is a meticulous bookkeeper, we proved to the government that we had reported every single penny of reportable income, that we had hid no assets, and that this is apples and oranges, nothing even remotely like uh, the case of Hunter Biden. Still, I am smeared today by they saying that uh, I was given somehow uh, a preferential break compared to these slap-on-the-wrist charges against Hunter. Well, thank you for bringing that up, because that's why... That's why we have to stay on this. This is what's happening to Hunter is a joke. And this is late Roman Republic level corruption where we do not have equal application of the law. And there's really nothing more sobering than that. Nothing that I can say it's more sobering than that. But the only silver lining is that even IRS line agents are coming forward and saying what Hunter got was preferential treatment even people that i don't even know if their their motives are correct or they're honorable are saying this is a joke so i'm going to stay on this uh, for the entirety of the case i've made friends with the court reporter thank goodness so i'll be getting the transcripts every single time there is something in in uh in person and uh more concretely roger i don't believe that this deal which has been leaked by Politico, thank goodness, so we can read it online. This deal is not going to be presented to the judge in the same form. There's probably going to be a combined information, which will hopefully, you know, if they put all three counts in a single document, which they should have done to begin with, it will give the judge discretion to sentence Hunter above what the prosecution recommends, which was probation, hilariously and corruptly. Usually, we believe that the prosecution and the defense counsel are on different teams, correct? That's not the case here. They're on the same team, which is give a limited hangout to the American public, say that, hey, look how honorable Joey Biden is. He let this investigation go forward, and he didn't just preemptively pardon his son. The fact of the matter is is that there were, like you said at the start, dozens of felonies, which our report goes into. Think about it. Think about the chutzpah. Hunter was deducting payments to his pimps as business expenses. So if, you know, people are out there and, you know, they they don't really know the ins and outs of, say, bribery charges, think about it this way. Your president's family believes that trips to hookers and pimps are business expenses for the Bidens. That's what the first family believes are essential, essential expenses for their businesses. Obviously, this is a joke. I'm being facetious. But Hunter believed he could deduct 10. And by the way, our report, like you said, features very little opinion, hardly any, except at the very, very end, the last two pages of what, where to go from here. The rest is screenshots of wire transfers, so basically wire transfer receipts, emails, 
text messages, transcripts of audio messages, which Hunter recorded. And so we're just putting out primary source uh, material. And if you're, if anybody's wondering, it's the last thing I'll say, is why I've done this, why, why did I spend almost two years doing this? Well, the way I look at it, and I think you'd agree with me, beyond election integrity, little else matters, correct? Because our only way to rectify this abomination is to get new people in office who aren't compromised. But if I can't work on election integrity, and I don't really know much about it, to be frank, um, I can I can analyze stuff post facto. But as far as creating new laws, uh, you know, there's, there's very simple laws we have to enact, like single day voting, no absentee voting unless you're, uh, you know, disabled by and uh, deemed as such by the U.S. government. Beyond that, there's nothing more important than if your president is compromised. So the only thing that I really think about besides my wife and sons is the Bidens and election integrity, because every other issue, in my opinion, flows from those two things. If your president's compromised and you can't vote in a new person because they control the elections, very few other issues in public life matter. And so that's why I'm going to stay on this. They'll literally have to kill me to stop me. Lawsuits haven't worked. Um, nothing else has worked. They don't. We, we're not. We're not funded by a big foundation, right? So they can't cut off our funding. We don't run by ads or so. So we all we do all small dollar. Our average donation is fifty bucks, and we have that number in the thousands. And so it's really a grassroots army we've we've created. And I would urge all your listeners to go and read this letter that we sent a week ago, last Friday, twenty first which Costello and Rudy signed on to, which lays out all of the prosecutorial misconduct that occurred during the investigation, which is reason enough to reject the plea deal. You know, as I pointed out, I now have to make $2 million of payments to the IRS, which means I'll be paying for the rest of my life. An average citizen in the offer and compromise program, which I was in the middle of having my tax attorneys negotiate, with the IRS when they filed a civil suit against us on a Friday at 5 o'clock, putting out a press release that implied but didn't say that we had underreported income or failed to report assets, entirely false. But a guy named Kevin Morris came along, and he paid off Hunter's past due tax bill, or in this case I should say uh, his unreported uh, uh, d- declarable income tax bill for the to the tune of two million dollars. Who is Kevin Morris, and what role is he playing in all of this? Kevin Morris is playing a central role, and I will say that Marco Polo has uh, been on him like a dog in a bone. And Kevin Morris is the beating heart of all of this because those letters which you alluded to earlier that Abby Lowell sent to you and Tyler Nixon, those would not be except for Kevin Morris. He spent millions of dollars on Hunter Biden, and there is precisely zero evidence from Kevin Morris's history that he is a generous guy who gives without counting the cost. He is wanting something in return. What that precisely is, we don't know for sure, but one reasonable speculation is the BHR shares. Kevin Morris now controls which we released in documents that were given to us from somebody within BHR, Roger, within the Chinese company itself. Kevin Morris now owns that 10% through a vehicle named Skinny Atlas LLC. 
which on the open market would fetch six to ten million, which ironically is around the same amount that Kevin has given to Hunter. So we there's a quid pro going on here. It's only the it's only an amount of time before Marco Polo gets his hands on it. He has sued me and Marco Polo for a collective sixty million dollars. That litigation is working its way through the L.A. Superior Court right now. It is a disaster. This is a guy who um, knows no bounds of corruption. He has been involved at the very high levels of Hollywood since the mid-90s. He's personal counsel to Matthew McConaughey and many other A-list stars. His wife, Gabby Morgerman, is the top agent at William Morris. This is the beating heart of the degenerate Hollywood left-wing scam. And so the fact that we have we have uh, you know taken an interest in him and remember he's saying that he's not a he's not a public figure that I'm harassing him. I've never even went up to his house in public. I've never even been around him and he's saying that I'm harassing him. It's a joke. It's pure lawfare. But guess what? We had to round up 100 grand to get the best attorney in LA to fight this nonsense. But there is a silver lining. If we win our anti-slap motion, Kevin has to pay all of our legal fees. And I can assure you that that check from Morris Morgerman Trust is going to be on our website till the end of time if we win. All right. Uh, Garrett Ziegler with the Marco Polo Research Group. Again, you can find them at marcopolousa.org. I strongly recommend that you go there for several reasons. Uh, one, to get your uh, copy of the shocking Hunter Biden laptop contents, which you can either order and have sent to you or you can download uh, online. I also urge you to consider making a contribution because this is a David and Goliath struggle. Uh, Garrett has eight young associates who work with him. These are all young men devoted to the cause of truth. This is not a political or a partisan effort. Uh, This is simply producing the facts and documenting them, annotating them, footnoting them to make them understandable. You are truly a truth teller. Garrett Ziegler, thank you so much for joining us on The Roger Stone Show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.